that's dope. We have some very, very ambitious innovators in the crypto space, but perhaps none of them have greater ambition and larger dreams than Amir Halim from Helium Network. They are building a decentralized wireless network that will surround the entire globe and then eventually also move into 5G, meaning you won't even need a phone. You don't want to miss this conversation and what's coming in the future for decentralized wireless. So I've told this story before, but one of my friends who's not necessarily crypto native, he owns an advertising agency, is absolutely obsessed with Helium to the point where he's buying real estate all over our town just to put Bobcat miners up, <laughs> puts an antenna on the top, and he gets it as high up there as possible. Are you seeing that sort of level of fanaticism about what you guys are building? Yeah, no, it's, I think two things are, are interesting. Like one is it Helium has attracted like a whole universe of people that are not crypto native, for want of a better word, right? Like they, they don't, participate in the crypto ecosystem other than through helium which i i think is really interesting right like we we made it we made mining hnt and like participating in the helium network like very much like a consumer product right and i think that resonated with a lot of people um and then yeah we, we they're definitely like the i call them like prosumers i don't know what the right term is in that universe but like those guys that are going the extra extra step and like putting antennas on roofs and like we got people like renting space on like radio towers and cell towers and so it's 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 really interesting. I mean, you get to participate in the telco industry for the first time, right? Like as a as a consumer, and I think that's very unusual and kind of Airbnb like, except in a different in a different domain, right? It's I, I think fascinating. Why is what you're building so necessary? I mean, we we have wireless <laughs> internet, right? We have networks. Yeah. Uh, so what makes this so different and so impactful? I, I think. You know, part of what's a challenge. So when we when we started Helium, like we were very focused on IoT, right? So like sensors and and that kind of data, and that is an industry that has never been well served, right? Like there's never been like a big IoT network to use, right? It just never existed, and so building it, building one is hard because the cost of building networks is really high. But with sensors and IoT, like you you have a, an application or a use case that needs to be really cheap by by its nature, right? Like you want sensors on like every single package that ever gets shipped or you want, you know, you want to like monitor like acres of, of farmland. And, and, you know, you can't really do that with expensive sensors. And so the cost of building versus the revenue generated for IoT networks doesn't make any sense. And so building a network this way for IoT makes complete sense. As we think about like Helium expanding and like what's going to happen next with Helium. It's not going to just be IoT, right? It's going to be other types of network. Like we just announced that we're we're moving into the 5G domain. And I think that becomes a slightly different type of conversation, right? It's like we already have cellular networks, right? They already exist. Like for the most part, they're decent. But I think there are other aspects of that industry which aren't great, right? Like I have always have privacy concerns, right? Like I'm not, I, I don't know what carriers are doing with our data. I think coverage starts to get questionable as network as people and populations grow, right? Like it's very expensive to keep creating new coverage everywhere. So uh, allowing people to sort of participate in that industry is like an interesting way of like hedging against like the traditional infrastructure model, right? Like first of all, you get to build more coverage, and second of all, you get people to actually own their own infrastructure. And I think that second part is probably the most important as far as far as I'm concerned, right? Like people actually get to like own the thing that they use. 
right? Like Airbnb was a good model for that, right? Like if you have a house, you can now turn it into a hotel basically, right? And there's a marketplace for that. And I, I think it's been like the telecom industry is so difficult to get into, right? Like you've got spectrum issues, you've got the cost of hardware, you've got like everything about it is like complicated. And I think turning it into something simple and straightforward is like the magic basically that I think Helium has unlocked, which is that anyone can just do this. And then you're like a wireless network operator, like a little mini ISP or something. And I think that is going to be fascinating to like watch over the next like decade or so. It's extremely ambitious because you start as an idea, but for this to work at scale, you need to have, I would imagine, millions and millions of people participating, if not more. How do you get to the level where you actually have coverage everywhere? Yeah, I mean, the, the, the Helium network grew from, I mean, we actually launched right here in Austin um, in 2019, and it grew from zero to like a million nodes in the space of you know, less than three years, um, which is amazing, right? It's sort of like the testament to the, to the, like the power of the idea. Um, and I think with cellular, it's even more interesting, right? Like with, with 5G, it's more interesting because people actually have tangible like things they can use on a cellular network. IoT for consumers is still a little bit nebulous, right? Like what, what is an IoT product, you know, that, that a normal consumer would use? Today, it's mostly B2B applications. So I think there's a little bit of a disconnect between like I'm a person running a hotspot and what do I, what do, I do with it? Like what do I, how do I use it? So part of what I think is going to happen with 5G is that that gap gets closed, right? Is that you're, you're building a network and then you also get to use it, right? Or your neighbors get to use it or your friends get to, you, you know what I mean? And so... I think people will become excited by the notion that like I'm building this network and I'm both generating revenue from like actually operating it, but it's also useful for me, right? Like I no longer need AT&T or Verizon or T-Mobile. You know, like it's, it's, an, it's, a, different, it's a different idea. Um, and st- getting to build something that you consume yourself, I think is exciting. And I think as it grows, people will get more and more excited by that and sort of understand the power of like what they're doing. It's interesting that you've gotten to a million without that yeah. asset. Right. So, I mean, I have to imagine that most people then are doing it because of the financial incentive at this point. I can only speak for the, a lot of the people that I know, but they're like, I'm going to mine this token. I'm going to make money. I simply have to put this thing at the highest point I can find in my house and I'll do well. So, I mean, I would imagine that what you just said is sort of the final boss or the unlock for scale. Yeah, it's, you know, I think with Helium so far you had like three categories of user. Like there were like IoT enthusiasts who had been doing this before Helium existed. There are like crypto people, right, who are in it mostly for mining and and earning H&T, which is great. Uh, And then the last group I would call like telco anarchists or something, right? Like guys that like just hate the like established infrastructure and want some part in like trying to change it. Um, And like I said, I think with cellular and with Wi-Fi and like other stuff that comes in the future on, on Helium, like, it's go- I think that last part is going to be more exciting to people, right? Like, of course, some people are just going to be in it for money. Like, mining crypto is exciting and interesting. Like, who knows what will happen? But getting to actually, like, play a role in sort of this disruption, I think, is really exciting for people. And, and like I said, Airbnb, Uber, like, those kinds of, like, marketplace examples were, were really interesting to watch where, like, I don't think anyone liked cab companies, right? Like, there just wasn't a thing that anyone felt any affinity towards, right? right? And so, like, as soon as there was a better option, like, everyone moved to the better yeah. option, right? And, and it... it it served both ends of the market, right? Like consumers of it were happier because they get to like press a button and a car shows up in, in two minutes. And then drivers all of a sudden had like a new revenue stream, a completely new business model. They had they going out and buying cars and leasing them like specifically for this purpose. And I expect Helium to evolve that way too. And, and there will be a, 
I think your your friend is a good example of someone who like goes the extra mile, right? Like putting big antennas up on roofs, and and the protocol kind of rewards you for that, right? Like the more coverage you create, the more you earn, uh, and that's kind of what you want, right? Like you want people to build a big coverage network. Which one of those three would you have described yourself as when you started? <laughs> I was somewhere between an IoT enthusiast and a a telco anarchist. Like I was super late to crypto, like I just embarrassingly late. Like I obviously had kept track of. Bitcoin and to some degree Ethereum over the years, but really wasn't until like 2016 or 17 that I like paid any close attention to it. So I was definitely an idiot on on the crypto stuff. We're, I mean, we're all late, right? I started in 2016. <laughs> Is there ever a person that you've met in crypto who wasn't like, ah, but those earlier guys? <laughs> I, I mean, I, we're late, but also still ridiculously early. Yeah, that's my point. Exactly. You know what I mean? It's like it's like yeah, there are those guys that were. Do, have been doing this since like 2009 or, or, or whatever, and, and hats off to those people for realizing something that I didn't realize until yeah. a decade later. But it's still so early, right? I mean, like, no, that I still think that like user interface for like using crypto and blockchains is like not ideal. Oh, you, you know, like having to go through exchanges isn't ideal. Like the whole process is a pain. Like you've got a two factor auth everywhere, and you know, it's, it's like just moving tokens around is still too hard. It's, uh, yeah, and, and you so, have to be. Crypto native, as you yeah. said before, to even not be utterly terrified that you're going to make some huge mistake. I mean, being your own bank, obviously, is a massive responsibility. But I think what you're building sort of speaks to a greater ethos within the crypto community of decentralizing sort of uh, centralized and embedded structures. I mean, telecom is one of the biggest ones in the world, right? And so this application that you have, beyond exactly what you're building, do you see other ways to decentralize similar systems. Yeah, I mean, and there are some really interesting ones, right? Like if I, if I just think of some of the, the projects that I've admired over the years, you know, I think, for example, Filecoin was a big inspiration to us at the start, um, or at least to me. Um, and that's another one where I think sort of like privacy is a, is a, is a thing and like sort of ch- turning people's sort of unused disk space into storage is a really interesting concept. Our weave does kind of the same thing. I love our weave. Yeah, and, and there's other interesting products like Audius. I think is a, is a fascinating one. You know, my co-founder at Helium is Sean Fanning from Napster, and so like Audius feels like sort of the Web three version of Napster or, so, or, Napster. or, or something, <laughs> right? It's sort of like the evolution of that. Um, other stuff I mean, like Render, I think is fascinating. Like I I was in the video game world for like a big part of my career, so like kind of understand the the need for like distributed rendering farms and. So just a lot of it, really interesting stuff, and and I think some of it, is, like someone once told me, crypto is only useful for things that you either either can't be done or are too or illegal to be done, right? And and I'm not sure if that's correct. Like there's a little bit of an optimization there. Like and render is a perfect example of that, right? Where you can do it today, but it's inefficient and it's and it's expensive and it and it sort of doesn't make sense. Um, so I think there's that there's that world where just like optimizing things and like distributing like where it lives that crypto is incredibly powerful for and, and helium was a sort of perfect example of like using crypto to like bootstrap something that was otherwise pretty much impossible like you always had this chicken egg thing right you don't have users until there's a network and you can't build a network until there's users to pay for it and so like you just never start right and you're just kind of sitting there and so using crypto as a way to like sort of start the the economic flywheel spinning i think is a really fascinating like you know develop development and we're i still don't think we've seen the most interesting applications yet yeah i understand the incentivization model obviously for your fan base and your users how does the company actually make money 
so far we we have only focused on network building right like our our intention like we don't we haven't generated any revenue right like we we don't we, we hadn't looked at it that way. I, I think over time we will start to evolve and like we would ideally like to sort of have a revenue model built on top of the network at some at some point in the future. But at the start, nothing really matters other than building building the network, right? And so one of the neat things is like you, you get to sort of monetize the network through tokens, right? And so we hold some HNT and that was sort of our that was our sort of reward, I suppose, for like building the network, right? And so we we have spent our entire last four or five years, maybe maybe longer, just building the technology and the hardware and the firmware and like everything that goes along with with getting this out there. And we spend a significant amount of time marketing and doing business development and trying to attract customers and users to the to the network. And um, that's sort of where we we're still focused. I think we'll be announcing a bunch of stuff in the future about things that we want to do next or or other ideas that we have. But for now, we're we're still very much focused on network building. Are there any glaring regulatory hurdles or obstacles outside of government or regulation that you see could become problematic in the future? I, I think we are just scratching the surface of like regulatory problems that or, or I shouldn't say problems. It's unclear. Like it's been frustrating, I think, for us and like pretty much anyone in the crypto space that does this to figure out how to navigate regulation. I don't think there's anyone that at least I've interacted with that doesn't want to like try and follow the rules. We just don't know what the rules are. Right, and it and that's a little bit frustrating. And I know there's good work from various senators and and others that are trying to improve the situation, and that's awesome. Um, I think in our world, like we also bridge into the physical world a lot more than than in a, like most blockchain networks sure. do, right? And so you have the FCC to think about, and you have different countries have their own versions of FCCs, and so that's I wouldn't say it's a it's a problem as much as it just adds complexity, right? Like if if you want to like sell hardware in you know Europe, then you have to go certify it there, right? And so um, it makes distributing and decentralizing like everything that you do much more critical, right? Like if we had been the single like manufacturer of hardware, like we never could have grown the network very big because it's just too expensive and too complicated to go to go do all this. But by allowing kind of anyone to go build the hardware. Um, you take advantage of like the fact that there are people that understand the regulation in those countries or have already done some of this work before, and so that's just a, a part of helium that is different to someone, you know, to something like a Solana or an Ethereum or something like that, sure. right? Who, who don't really have to like worry about the physical world very much. So I'm jealous of that <laughs> sometimes, right? It's such a pain sometimes, but yeah, overall, um, I don't think we've we've seen the last of like what you, you know having to figure out how to navigate the regulatory space with crypto. Yes, but I mean, we all know how difficult it is in the United States that most people just completely opt out. Right? If you're building something in crypto, yeah. I think right now most people, it's very bold to even attempt to do it here. There are a few who obviously do. But that said, since you now have to navigate the regulatory environment in every single country on the planet, basically, can you eventually build this into a fully global network? Are there places it's just never going to happen? I can't imagine in North Korea it's going to be particularly popular, but <laughs> yeah. you know, in general, can you build a global network out of this with all that in mind? Yeah, I mean, we, we and we have, you know, like, so, so helium is growing at something like five thousand cities a month, or some or some rate like that, which is which is crazy. Um, it is unfortunate. I mean, I, I think the U.S. sort of stance on crypto is a little dangerous in the long term, right? Like, as exactly as you're describing, like some of the smartest minds are like leaving the US to go yeah. do this somewhere else, right? And I think that's an existential risk for the country over time, right? Like if your smartest brains are like no longer here, right? Because you scared them away. 
that's ter that's terrible policymaking, right? And and so uh, I do think there's that concern, and certainly we know, I'm sure you know, like a, a whole bunch of like founders of, of very ambitious projects that just won't do it here. Yeah. Um, so that's you know that's a thing. Um, and as you said, like there's some regimes where it's going to be practically impossible to pull it off. Like I don't, I wouldn't want to try and run a hotspot in North Korea. Right. Um, I don't know about China. Like, just keeping abreast of all the of all the the news is really really difficult, right? Like, it's it's practically impossible. And um, so, yeah, I, I don't know. I, I think I hope we settle in some place where the rules are clear. I, I guess would be my desire, right? Like, as long as everyone understands what we're supposed to be doing. I mean, they even it, say that bad clarity is better than lack of clarity. Yeah, <laughs> like, well, just <laughs> tell me what I can't do. Right. Exactly. It's it's like everyone I know. You, you know, who who tries to do something like this is just all we want is like info. Like, what are we supposed to do or not do? Not do is fine too, right? And and so, um, but you know, it's going to get better. Like, I think people are naturally scared of crypto. It's a completely when I say people, I mean governments. Um, it's a terrifying idea, right? That like all of a sudden, like money supply is like no longer under control, right? Like it's 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 decentralized. It's a really crazy concept. Um, so I think people are naturally skeptical of it and scared of it, but it, it will evolve and hopefully get better. At the most basic entry level, how can an individual become a part of the network? The easiest way to get involved is, is always to just buy a hotspot. You know, they are the, in the Helium network, hotspots are a combination of like a wireless access point and a crypto miner, basically, right, is the easiest way of thinking about it. Um, you just kind of stick it in your window or you put it on a roof if you want to be ambitious um, and you are building, you're joining and building this big network and you're earning HNT, which is the, the helium currency. Um, that's always the easiest way to get involved. We have a 5G network now that's in, in the process of rolling out. So there are now 5G hotspots that you can buy. Um, so if you want to be sort of at the forefront of like building the next wave of helium, like that's, that's definitely the place to start. How much knowledge of technology do you need to be able to do this, or is it really as simple as plugging it into an Ethernet cable or wireless, obviously, and finding a uh, optimal spot and running with it? That's it. Uh, I mean, I think that I think that was a big part of the innovation for us was like, how do we make like no crypt, mining crypto is not is it, a straightforward. Yeah, mining mining yeah. crypto is not for your average. Person, yeah, right? right. It's kind of a mess, and so is running like a you know a small cellular base station, right? Like that's not for average people either. But I think turning turning those two things into something that a consumer just has to like plug in and use a, a phone app to configure is part of the magic. And I think that's a big part of like where crypto needs to go. Like it just has to be easier to use. Um, and I think we did that really well with Helium. And it's part of why the network has gotten so big is that literally anyone can do it by just like plugging in a device. So let's say that you completely and utterly disrupt telecom. 5G people basically have their own phone network, you know, uh, operating from the roof of their house. Is that the end goal, or is there something even bigger 10 years, 20 years down the road? I think it's it, one of the fast, most fascinating things for me about Helium is it's sort of endless, right? Like, I think cellular is like one venue, or, which I think makes complete sense to look at next. So the things like Wi-Fi, there are now also going to be decentralized VPNs on, on Helium. I wish people cared more about privacy. I know they don't enough y yet, but... They say they do. Yeah, <laughs> they will. <laughs> while, while, while searching uh, Google on their iPhone right, and being right. served ads, right? Yeah. <laughs> So that so VPNs, I, I think I've always been interested in, but I also understand that like people, it's not mass market yet. yet. I think Apple is actually doing really good work in like sort of making that more mass market. Eventually, I would love to see, uh, you know, broadband delivered to the home this way. You know, I think having 
super high speed wireless like broadband is sort of the next thing that to me is interesting uh, because today, at least in the States, you've got like whatever single cable provider yeah. and that's kind of it. So I'm stuck with Comcast, whether I like it or not. I'm stuck and, with Cox and I despise it. See, no, I mean, this is worst, worst thing in my life is dealing with Cox. Yeah, I mean, this is one of the interesting <laughs> things, right? It's like such a big industry. And I don't, I've never met anyone who likes any of the players in the industry. Like there's no one that's happy with their telco, whether it's AT&T, Verizon, T-Mobile, Comcast, Cox, like no one has a, a favorable opinion. And I think that's really interesting, right? And sort of speaks to sort of like what could be done. Uh, is that everyone everyone desires like at least options, right? Like feeling that I'm stuck with one provider just doesn't feel fair, right? It doesn't feel correct in some in some way. So I think being able to deliver like high speed wireless to the home for like broadband to me is another place that we need to spend time and something that I think society needs. Uh, and there are others trying to do it too. They just aren't necessarily doing it the same way. Um, but having the options and being able to pick based on like privacy or security or speed or cost or whatever is, is I think, really, really important. I use a boutique uh, phone company called Afani that protects yeah. my SIM card so that I won't get SIM swapped because I've been SIM swapped so many times on the major networks, <laughs> uh, even when they tell me that every single protection is in place. So, I mean, there's already people who are doing this in creative ways just to opt out of those systems. Yeah, no, we love those guys. We, we've been talking to them also. And um, I, I think there's going to be those niches, right, where I think people, high-profile crypto people are always at risk of SIM swaps. And, you, you know, like that That whole model is, it just, it's too easy, right? It's too easy to be SIM swapped, right? And yeah. it, you have to call someone to pretend that you're you're the person and know like- Or just or throw people. a guy at T-Mobile for 200 bucks. Well, there's, there's that, <laughs> so yeah, so I, I think there's going to be like different audiences and different segments. Um, but they can overlap. And like I said, Apple spent a lot of time recently like focusing on privacy as a, me as a message, which I think is great. Um, whether they're actually doing it the right way, I don't know, but they're at least educating like the sort of masses about you know, privacy matters. It's, impor it's important. Um, and I think we feel like it, it doesn't matter, but it will. I know there was a dearth of miners for a while that it was a large backup if you wanted to participate in the network and you had to wait for, I know my friend I can say was buying Bobcats, you know, and it was like two months, three months, six months. Are we now at a point where you can really get involved pretty quickly or is it still backed up? Yeah, no, I think it's, I think it's catching up or has caught up. Now. Bear markets help with that. Yeah. <laughs> There's that. Um, there was also, you know, also like a significant part of, of like co COVID didn't help, right? Like ha having... Uh, you know, having the supply chain issue was not ideal, right? Like every supply chain for every industry was broken and to some degree still is broken, right? Like you still can't buy a new car anywhere, apparently, yeah. uh, because of like processor shortages. And so uh, that's still a thing. Um, but as far as I understand, like it's greatly improved and like you can probably get hold of a, of a hotspot in a reasonable period of time now. But there was a time when it was like, you know, an 18 month wait or something like that, right? And it was back order for like millions. Um, so I think it's improving now and can actually get hold of one in a normal period of time. Good problem to have. <laughs> yeah, no, it's, I mean, it was, it's good and real at the same yeah. time, right? Like people were, were rightfully like disgruntled at the fact that they like ordered the thing and it took a year to arrive or whatever. So good problem to have, but also like a real, you know, a real problem. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I love what you guys are building. And, uh, and again, I know people who are tremendous fans and, and I am too. So thank you so much for taking the time. I look forward to uh, catching up down the road and seeing how much further this is along. Yeah, thanks for, uh, thanks for having me. Thank you very much. Thank you so much for listening to this episode. If you haven't already left a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify, please do that now. Spotify just added ratings, so please go ahead and click that five star. 
I'll see you guys next time.